Good afternoon. I'm David Iverson, guest hosting The Ramble Room. Today I'm joined by Representative Mark Jennings and Representative Ken Pendergraft. And we thought we'd have a conversation in general about taxes, where we're at, where we could be going, and how we might figure out this tax quagmire that we happen to be in. So first, gentlemen, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having us. I, I feel like I'm right at home. Well, you should be. We're in your house. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, th- thanks for doing this, David, really. Um, it's it's kind of hard to host your own questions. Indeed. Well, I mean, you get to say whatever you want. So where I'd like to begin with you guys is where are we at, in your opinion, with our tax structure, both property taxes and sales taxes? Just kind of give give me a broad picture. We'll start with you, Mark. With what kind of taxes? All of them. The kind that I hate. <clears throat> I think if you want to get a good picture of where we're headed for taxation in Wyoming, if uh, the conservatives do not gain a few more seats, is a document from 1999 called Tax Reform 2000. And that is the blueprint for how the moderates or establishment um, people would like to see more taxations, more stealing of your money. And um, they've had a hard road to hoe with that because of conservatives calling that out in my tenure there. And now they're having an even harder time with more conservatives. But they've they've won some of those taxes, you know, and they've I mean, let's be honest about it. They've they have won several things. Our um, tourism tax, uh, fuel tax, um, and so cigar tax. Yeah, it's Can't just forget that. Yeah, yeah, they have won some of those, but that's where we're headed. Is is you if you look at it, they do not believe that the tax base is broad enough in Wyoming. Ken, you bring up you bring up an interesting point. Not to cut you off, but yeah. so they added a cigar tax, or they added to the cigar tax, and it seems to me that our legislature thinks it's their purview to tax everything. And if if there's something that we're not taxing, well, then we have to pass another one. We've got to look at it. the The problem is that we freeloaders, just the common everyday people. That's how they refer to us. By yeah, the way. they have, and that's that's obviously why I said that, but. We've been living off the backs of the mineral industry of of energy for forever. They're the ones that have been paying all the taxes. But now we've got a war on energy. And we look ahead and and we see coal-fired plants powering down. We see natural gas under attack. We can't use that. We can't use any of these fossil fuels. And so these people know that the revenues that we used to enjoy coming from those things are going to diminish. But they cannot stand the idea that government is not going to continue to grow or at least maintain its already ridiculous size. One of the things I've said all along is I think Wyoming's government is too big. And as soon as something happens to some of the revenue, the immediate question is, what are we going to do to replace it? How are we going to replace that? My answer is, you don't replace it. Just make government smaller. Well, that makes I sense. seem to be one of just a few. 
I think I, the best way that I've heard it recently is uh, um, from a lobbyist, and he told me for we that Wyoming is the most conservative socialist state in America. But just think about all the duplicative social programs we have, and like you mentioned, Ken, you know the the solution to our revenue problem is not to decrease the size of government. Um, it seems like the prevailing opinion in Cheyenne is to replace the tax revenue that you may have lost from coal, oil, and natural gas. So what I'd like to take today's discussion, guys, is to talk about alternatives. You know, Ken, you bring up an interesting point that we're losing revenue from coal, oil, natural gas, all of our extractive industries. Um, so in your mind, gentlemen, how do we how do we decrease the size of government? How do we reform those taxes? Uh, let's start with property taxes. And this is your your wheelhouse, Mark, so let's really start with weak. you. Well, when I started in the legislature almost 10 years ago, the um, <clears throat> income off property tax was $2.3 billion. And I don't have the figure in front of me right now, but... Um, it's substantially more than that, just year-end increases. And then you take the hyperinflation that was happening in the last several years. Last year, they they stole an extra $464 million on top of, well, 10 years ago it was 2.3, but now it's more than that. And, um, um, well, school spending is your major consumer of that of that property tax money and so you have to get a handle on the spending that's being done there but i actually i, I you know i, I kind of disagree with your premise we, we actually can do more than one thing at a time it's not just a question of um either replacing the property the taxes that they think that they're fearful they're going to lose and we can cut some of those things it, it's both. We actually can reduce governmental spending. Now, it's harder in, an, in a hyperinflationary period, no question about that. But when you take how many, how much higher the amount of the fat is, and you take, you know, even the decrease, I would argue um, we may not be selling as many tons of coal, but the cost is higher and therefore the taxation is higher. I'm not at all convinced that we're that we're losing or that we're decreasing, and and I I don't have those numbers in front of me either. So, but but the experience is you have an extra two billion dollars on top of what we had the year before. Um, I would argue that we're probably bringing in considerably more than we were, maybe off of less of the of the consumer item but we're just charging more for it i mean natural gas and coal and oil and and so <clears throat> i think we can do i think we should do both and you know if you're if the debate goes to what should we cut well there is no question that school is the number one it's over 50 percent and uh, but health and and human sources resources are is another high one. I mean, we're we very duplicative on um, services and stuff like that. So, well, we just we just spend a lot of money that we don't need to spend. There's a lot of 
a lot of talk about property taxes. It's probably the lead question that I get right now mm -hmm. is how come you guys did nothing on property taxes? So one thing I'd like to do is to go through some of the concepts that were dealt with and explain what the issues were or why they got killed. And for those of you listening, it's going to get a little bit boring because the, the, the same reason they got killed is true for most of those bills. And everybody wants to know, you know, who can I point a finger at? And uh, I'm not afraid to say it's Steve Harshman. There are others, but, but he was one of the worst problems that we had at getting property taxes fixed. And we'll, we'll fill that in. We'll elaborate on that as we go. And a huge proponent of Tax Reform 2000. Yeah. Well, and he's so, he's the proud owner of my new favorite soundbite that that tax cuts only help the rich. Yes. I couldn't and believe it when I heard that on the floor. Thank you for bringing that up, and that's one reason that I don't have a problem with singling him out, because when we started discussing uh, any kind of a tax break or a, a a tax rebate or whatever, he was just adamant that we couldn't afford it. And if we were going to give some away, we were definitely not going to give it to anybody with any kind of a decent income. We're not going to we're not going to give the rich anything back. And that whole we're not going to give back. We stole it fair stole and it square. In the first place, yeah, that's ours. Well, you heard. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but there was an article in. I think it may have started in Wildfile because, I mean, they all they all print the same articles. But um, Carly Provenza was pointing out and you know yes the carly provenza that's responsible for all of these memes on facebook or social media but anyway she she was pointing out that 75 percent of the bills uh, were a 36 26 vote 36 for it 26 conservative saying no and one comment struck me she said they just won't agree that sometimes you have to spend the government's money yeah yeah, there's a fundamental understanding there, isn't it? There is. It's our money. Um, and the other thing, you know, one of the things that, is, that came up this year was a lot of talk about uh, YDOT and the fact that we don't have enough snowplow drivers. We don't have enough troopers. And there are issues as to, you know, we don't pay them enough, we don't pay them enough. And so when I look at it, my understanding is that we give enough money to YDOT and we give them a responsibility and what they need to do is figure out how you're going to accomplish the mission with the resources that you have available. And what I see happening is same thing we have in education. We have layers of administration, people who really aren't producing anything that, that accomplishes the mission. And so we don't have enough money to pay them so then they come and it's, it's convenient for them to bring it up this way they say hey we have to keep closing the highways because we don't have enough snowplow drivers because we can't pay them enough so we need more money they're missing the idea that we pay you enough money to do the job when you look at how other states are funded you figure out how to do it but that that's true with almost any government or bureaucracy is it becomes inefficient and rather than do the hard work of of trimming and self-policing they simply just throw more money at it and that's how Wyoming works I wanted to throw one tax bill out there that was 
kind of illustrative of a couple things. One of them, we, we talked about 2636. This vote was 2338, and one excuse. But you remember when Representative Brown wanted to have a back-to-school tax holiday. He just wanted to say, for a period of time, we're not going to collect sales tax, because just give people a little bit of a tax break, because we've had inflation, we've had all kinds of things going on. 23 to 38. 38 House representatives said no. We can't do that. How much would that have cost the state in a year when they had a, almost $2 billion? $2 billion surplus. Surplus, exactly. Surplus. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for... Okay, so Representative Brown wanted to have a sales tax holiday. And wh- what was it? One or two days where we just weren't going to pay sales oh, tax? Oh, I think it was a month or something. Yeah, it, it might have been a month or two. I don't, have, I don't remember the details, but the uproar was ridiculous. We can't afford that. Why? We, we would have to recalculate. All of these small businesses would have a hard time not charging taxes. They wouldn't be able to figure that out. It'd be, oh, too troublesome. Well, and that's, that's kind of the mentality down there is you can't, you know, we can't support anything that would decrease the amount of money we have coming in however insignificant that it might be. And, mm-hmm. you know, you had a $2 billion surplus, and here we can't give people a, a break on school supplies. And Imagine, if you will, in your mind's eye, a young married man, he and his wife are both working. They're both struggling. He stops by the convenience store to pick him up a six-pack of beer on the way home, and he buys a lotto ticket. And he wins the lotto ticket, and he gets $2,000 cash. And he goes back home and he slaps his wife on the fanny and says, Hey, we had a good day. Here's 50 bucks. That's kind of what our state legislature is doing to the people of Wyoming. We had a good year. We had a couple of billion dollar surplus. But it's really hard for us to share that. We don't want to give anything back. Well, I like your analogy. And as far as uh, I suppose getting a bunch of that money from the federal, from our great-great-grandkids, that part's accurate. But the other part of that money came, and the other part of that money came from citizens, one one area or another. That that was part of my point of the analogy. They're both working. Yeah. They're both pulling, trying to keep the household afloat. You would think that that type of a person was a jerk not to come home and share it, the the windfall, yeah. with, with those that are pulling. And yet our legislature could not find a way to afford giving some of this back. Now, hold on, Ken. You guys like set up property tax relief, is what I was told. And, <clears throat> and we did a fantastic job doing it. Isn't that right, Mark? Oh, boy, I've heard that one. I, just, I want to clarify one thing, though, before we get into property tax. And we need to look at property tax and what happened there and the different ideas and why they're not reform or why they are reform. But what was it? It was uh, a year ago. We did a budget that was supposed to be good for two years. We were set. A year down the road, we find all of a sudden we've got an extra $2 billion. 
what we should have done is either give that back or put some away. So what you're hearing now is everybody's bragging about, hey, we saved $1.4 billion. Well, that's, that's pretty good. We're going to make off of that about $65 million a year. But what they did then was go out and spend about a half a billion dollars and about 110, 120 million dollars of that goes on in perpetuity. We've got more people working for the government now, so we're going to have to pay them forever. So we earned ourselves 65 million and we went out and spent 110, 112, whatever it was. Anyway, we're close to 50 million dollars in the hole now because of our windfall. And they want us to believe, they want you to believe, that they're being frugal, that they're being conservative. responsible. Conservative. Conservative with your money. Well, I've heard that one over and over and over. That, oh, we did a, we passed a conservative supplemental budget, and we did a fantastic job about it. And, you know, Mark, it, from from where I sit, I don't see that, Whatever relief that they passed, we probably need to talk about what what you guys actually did. Um, but let's let's first explain what the difference between property tax relief and property tax reform is. Well, relief is the things like the refunds or the rebates. Um, reform is actually how do we collect the money. What is the policy by which we collect that? And how do we change the structure? Yeah, the and, and the basic structure of that is currently on property tax. It's called fair market value. And I always find that an interesting debate because they scream bloody murder that if we change anything or we put a cap on it, we'll have to make a constitutional amendment. Well, their argument is, is about uniformity. But if you look at fair market value, you're being taxed on an unrealized capital gains, and it's being based upon what somebody else in your neighborhood was willing to pay for their their property to increase your taxes. Seems to me like that's fairly ununiform, <laughs> and it's also, um, you know, when you're talking rebates, then one person knows to go get it or is qualified to go get it that seems like that's fairly un uh, not very uniform across the board it's that was one of my issues with some of the rebate ideas mm -hmm. is rather than just give it a flat rebate all the way across the spectrum no we can't possibly allow those with uh, a better income or we can't allow the mineral extraction industries to, to have any sort of a of a rebate or a refund at all it's it's strictly we're gonna we're gonna yeah. give it to the poor people but then when we'll get into this then what we actually did do is going to turn around and soak the poor people more than anybody else oh yeah yeah that that's typical with their some of their ideology there it's just so what what did we do the idea is that right now according to the constitution there are three different types of property classifications and, yeah and they want to add a fourth classification where they want to single out single residency your your primary residency and give that a tax break so they'll give that a slight tax break and then they'll turn around and then they'll say 
Now, for those of you that own four, five, six, ten properties, you're wealthy. You don't need that. They're going to make up the taxes by taxing those additional income properties. Well, if you have income properties and you rent those out to people, you're not going to eat that tax yourself. You're going to turn around and raise the rents. And so who then pays that extra tax? It's the people who are paying the rent that can't afford the rest of it. So we've turned around and soaked the poor people. Or just as realistically, um, John Q. Public, because they're paying for they're subsidizing that lower income rent. Yeah. Well, and a big problem with that is if you read the Wyoming Constitution, uh, the section on taxes, it's very clear that the way it was written is to make sure that commercial property and residential property is taxed the same. They're in the same classification is what I'm saying. And that was done to prevent manipulation of the tax system. That you can't you can't tax businesses more than you can uh, residential and vice versa, but by creating an, another classification of property tax, well, you can manipulate that one in all on its own now. And think about this: by the time that thing, if the constitutional amendment passes, uh, well, that's at least two years down the road, and by that time, there may be a completely different legislature down there that is not privy to all the arguments that were used to pass this thing so what what constrains them from saying well now let's increase the amount of uh, the rate at which we're taxing residences yeah and i think i think that's got a four percent difference is that right it, i think it could have a four percent difference so that what i would look to, i mean you're right if that comes before the when that comes before the people and it will um then really all that does is hands that over to the legislature and says you can bring this forward. I voted for it from the standpoint of allowing people to vote on on the concepts, but um, my fear with it and, and why I would be opposed to it if it wins at the ballot box um, at the policy-making level for the legislature is, like Ken says, they'll bring the primary homeowners from nine and a half down to let's say let's give them that they bring it down to seven and a half even but at the same time that they do that they can make this fourth classification i think it has to be within four points so it'll go from nine and a half to eleven and a half Mm -hmm. to make up the difference or or maybe make up more than the difference It, it might it might be surprised it might go way over it's hard to say. So this isn't reform because we're still no. using the same principles to tax people that are not necessarily fair because they're they're based on the current market value, which, as you pointed out, is unrealized gains. So to call that reform, which they are, yeah, trying is to. disingenuous at, at best. I think there is another phrase that does work for that. I think it's called uh, smoke and mirrors. Or the shell the game. Smoking something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and one thing that I don't think that anybody has brought up is what Art Laffer proved during Ronald Reagan's administration, that if you decrease the tax rate, your tax revenue actually goes up. And, Mark, you were telling me about a, a mm. committee meeting you were in um, where the city of Cheyenne was talking about increasing their, their sales tax or something. Would, yeah. you, would you talk about that oh, for a that minute? Was, that was the best example of the, of the Laffer 
example because they had a time where they where they had a half a percent or a percent that dropped off of their sales tax and uh, when we pressed the i think he was a former city councilman but he he was in at that time um when pressed about that he admitted he said yeah once we dropped that i think it was from five to four percent or six to five or something like that he said actually we we actually gained more money we actually more money flowed in so of course the next question from people like myself was okay so did you then consider dropping another penny and they said oh no 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 we were working hard on it and we got that penny put back on that had you know been dropped off and i so the next question was well so what did your revenues do well they dropped back down and you're like seems to me like these people got the wrong idea about this if they want more revenue and certainly there is a place where you can't um you know diminish it away to zero but i would argue we we should try it more often <laughs> we want to find where that limit is yeah that's right <laughs> at least try that uh, we did a couple of things regarding property taxes um one of them was house bill 99 and that was a property tax refund pro program and actually it was just amending a program that had already existed and we expanded it so a few more people would qualify um, i did vote for that because it was better than nothing but the problem is that it is not fair it is not even, and yeah. that's one of the fundamental principles of taxation, is it should be done evenly and fairly, and that was not. It's one of the fundamental constitutional concepts. Oh, there you go. Ragging on the Constitution. Yeah. The other thing that we did um, doesn't provide any immediate relief, but it is actually the only thing out there that, that even comes close to real reform, and that was the idea of an acquisition-based tax and Mark, you ran that bill. Um, I did get to co-sign on that, and I'm proud to have done that, and we got it passed. So please explain what that bill does and where what, what happens next, where we're going with that. Well, I actually was talking to Brenda Henson, the Director of uh, Revenue, uh, just last week, and they have already tendered that study out. It should be done um, late August 1st, era time uh, our first few weeks of september and so we'll be able to see that the acquisition study bill it does it's it's the concept of looking at reform it's not even actually getting it done it's actually just looking at that and so it would uh, give us opportunity to propose legislation prior to the next election um Obviously, the liberals tried to, you know, they took the cap part out of it. So we would need to put that back in. If, yeah, the if cap we was run an, some, an immediate relief intent. Yeah, that was uh, to stop these huge swings. I think, you know, part of what the left's, and again, Steve Harshman's attempt in that is, is to push things like that out far enough that people will get used to high taxes or they'll see some sort of small amount of relief and 
and the tempers will go down enough that they can get away with that. I well, think that's what they intend. Yeah, it's the classic, you know, drive up the price of fuel, and then when fuel goes down, you know, 50 cents or a quarter, then you can claim credit for dropping the price yeah. of gas when, you know, it's still far above what it was when you started that whole thing. They have no intentions of going to a, an acquisition, but if the conservatives um, are able to come to power, um, one of the main reasons for running that study is because Wyoming is not California. And so there are things that should be learned from the California Prop 13 that we wouldn't necessarily have to go through the same way that they did on some things. Um, and so I think, you know, that's the concept is to is to have some of that worked out in a study so that if we can propose legislation. And like I said, you know, I, the only thing that I see for <clears throat> actual meaningful relief was a, a concept that uh, I talked with Tony, Lo- Tony Locke about, and that was a tax holiday. And I think that that's our best shot for short-term actual relief for the people and make it across the board. No one pays taxes for three months. I mean, we're sitting on top of an extra $464 million, and I think I think the percentage that he put in for a tax holiday would have uh, only, um, out of that $464 million, and considering that next year is probably going to be even more than that 464, um, it would have only still given relief of about 140 million. So they still would have they still would have stolen a, an easy 300 million above whatever it was they stole the year before, above. Yeah. And yeah. so i think that's the best that we can hope for is is that people will continue to be very angry on this because they have pushed everything out at least two to four years on reform changes and that's that's the problem with the study i mean they've they've accomplished i mean we could have passed that the year before harshman's group seen to it that we didn't let me just that bill that you just mentioned was House Bill 256 that, that Tony Locke brought. And so people say, well, what happened? Well, that died in committee. So I want to go... Let me guess which committee that was. Yeah. Wouldn't have been revenue with Mr. Harshman as chairman, would it? Absolutely. So let me, let me just read through a few of these bills because we attempted to do a lot of different things. And I'm going to tell you what happened and you'll start to see a trend pretty quickly. Um, House Bill 72 was another one that Brown bought Um, it was some sales tax revisions died in committee property tax homeowners exemption House Bill 98 died in committee (coughs) property tax deferral problem brought by Martha Lawley not particularly a great bill had some issues of its own Um, died in committee can you believe that 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 was an interesting one because that was brought by a a liberal uh-huh. senator, and the ref, the what did you say the name of that was? Well, that was House Bill one twenty one. I believe they were parallel. They were okay. Yeah, there was a bill. We haven't got to the Senate yet, but um, House Bill one twenty four is a taxation on 
electricity generation um, died in committee. Property tax exemption for child care facilities. That failed to get by the committee of the whole, and I was opposed to that. What, why do you pick out one particular business and say you can have an exemption and everybody else is going to pick up the slack? That's, that's just wrong-headed in my mind. Uh, that was brought by uh, Representative Yim. He also brought county optional tax affordable housing. That one died in the speaker's desk. Um, mineral royalties, proportional severance tax, never considered for the cow. Never considered for the committee of the whole. Speaker killed that one. Lodging sales tax exemption died in committee. Property tax exemptions for the elderly and veterans died in committee. Veterans property tax exemption dimensions died in committee. And it goes on and on and on. And I'm not going to belabor the point. But people say, what happened? And I will tell you that 80 to 90% of the thing was it, it went to revenue committee and Harshman killed it. So it seems like the revenue committee is, uh, that's just another one of those that bills are sent there to be killed. I mean, we saw a number of bills that were assigned to the revenue committee that have nothing to do with revenue. Yeah. You know, one of those was uh, Representative Ward's bill about uh, the pornography in schools, or obscenity is what she called it. Um, there, 66. Uh, well, House Bill 66 made it to the floor. I was speaking about that oh, there's yeah, you're right. a you're number right. of bills that yeah. went to that committee that none of the liberals wanted to even discuss on the floor. And so, you know, the job of the revenue committee is twofold. One, to increase tax revenue or to pass more tax bills. And two, to kill conservative legislation. Yeah. So what we've talked about some of the ideas to reform our tax structure. Um, we've talked about what, what was attempted in the legislature. I think what a lot of people want to know is where do we go from here? So you've got a budget session coming up. Granted, it's pretty much a year away from from now. Um, but what what are you guys going to try to do moving forward in this next session? Well, I think in the budget, uh, because of the two thirds, I think that we can we can hold the line on anything um, coming from the house side, and that's that's a real advantage that we have. Anything from the revenue standpoint has to originate on the house side so that means it requires uh 42 votes and uh to to get it introduced i think and i think they know that we're we're not going to give in on that we're not going to allow any new taxation i i'd be fairly surprised if they even clear committees and waste their time on it but they might um, they, they might do it just to try to make us look bad. I think it would backfire. Well, but. Yeah, I think it would too. I mean, how do you how do you justify more taxation? Period. When we just put one point four billion in savings on top of spending five hundred million dollars, that was completely unnecessary. Right. I mean, a supplemental budget is for emergency. Yeah, we had just a year ago, we had set a two-year budget. We were mm -hmm. set. We didn't yeah. have to spend a dime. Yeah, there was no call to spend any dime. In fact, I've never voted for a supplemental budget. 
And I've only voted for one budget, and that was because they cut $430 million. And yet, And yet you guys are getting beat about the head and shoulders for not voting for a supplemental budget. Yeah. yeah. Now, how dare you which, vote against it? Which is kind of making my point because, well, we just heard it the other night. Um, one of the representatives that doesn't necessarily think the same way that Mark and I do stood up and said he was proud to have voted for that supplemental budget because it gave raises to... Uh, a second wave of raises actually yeah. to a number of government employees and I would imagine there are a lot of do I dare say working stiffs but you know those of us that are out there working we haven't got two raises in the last couple of yeah. years not big raises one of those raises it was huge wasn't it like 8% or something I think between the two I think overall it turned out between in the last several years it's turned out to be 15-16% it <clears throat> it was substantial. I've not seen. Yeah, one was like, like seven, or and then the other one was like yeah. eight. Um, um, the seven or eight percent. One of them was several years ago when we had pretty good money. But all that being said, this was this was a twenty six thirty six year, and so when we come to the budget. If it, if it doesn't have to do with the budget, in order to get it introduced on the House side, you got to have 42 votes. Neither side's going to be able to accomplish that. So pretty much all that's going to happen is the budget, and they're going to vote 36 to spend money, and we're going to resist 26 to say, no, we shouldn't spend it, and they'll spend the money. So what do we have to do from there? We have to change that from 26 to 36 to... In our favor. We, so in, need, we need six or eight more. So in the upcoming year, about the only thing you guys have to do is like interim committee meetings. Um, from from the committees that you're on, what should we be looking for um, for you guys to be considering? What's going to happen? Interim what are you going to be topics. doing in your with for the interim in, topics? Interim topics. I've not looked, at, and that's been out for a little while. But I was on vacation. Yeah. Well, um, I was not. <laughs> I, I know that some of the things that we're looking at is like judicial review and things of that nature. And I I don't look for us to, like I said, I don't think even committee bills, they have to reach that two-thirds threshold. And I think they'll have a hard time doing that. Now, the only place that, that, that that's not accurate is bills that c go through the two-thirds um, threshold on the Senate side. When they come over, then it becomes a simple majority vote. And so you could have some actual stuff that co will come from the Senate side that we, but on the House side, I I agree with Ken. I think it's going to be, it's going to mostly be uh, stalemated. Yeah. I mean, there. Even is, even in your committees. In in my yeah. committee though, my committee is transportation and military affairs, and there is quite an excuse at this point to raise different types of taxes. Uh, to do a number of things. I-80 is a problem. Half of our budget for highways goes to I-80 corridor. It's only open half the time. That's right. Not this winter. It was only like five <laughs> yeah. or six days it was open. And, and that's the problem is they're looking, okay, what do we need to do? Do we need to perhaps reroute part of it? Uh, what, what can we do? Can we add more fees? Uh, <coughs> one of the things that was brought up was all of these empty 
trucks that are going by that are getting blown over because they they ignored the warnings of no high-profile vehicles and that ends up closing the roads and all that so there's talks of you know everything is talk about how do we pay for this what else do we have to do they're all things that are going to involve spending and so I will just about guarantee you that coming out of transportation you're going to get four or five spending bills that are encouraged by a committee and therefore you may find you may find a few weak need folks that are going to bend to that but i don't think they'll get their 42. no um and ho hopefully we get that message across when they do what they're trying to do is when you can't come straight out and get a a tax increase that you want then you try and necessitate the need for that yeah tax and so you spend and you try and spend to a place where they have to tax no you got no choice or you try and obligate and uh, yeah. that's what i seen with the 110 million um, perpetual spending is is that they're trying to put us in a place where they view that we won't have a choice but to vote for more taxation mm -hmm. Well, with the highway type things, you know, they will they will do that in budget amendments, which means we're going to have to face them. Well, they'll win some of that, but what he was talking about coming out of your interim topics, yeah, that that'll be the basis for it. Um, and when they can't get it straightforward as a bill, then they'll try it as a budget amendment. Mm -hmm. The uptick to the budget amendment is that, um, and somewhere along the line, if if the people of Wyoming send enough conservatives you know if if they are successful on the budget bill it, it's only good for that budget now they again they try and obligate you out further than that if they can so here's what i'm hearing like there's really not going to be that much that comes out of the interim session and yeah. so all of us should just plan on going fishing more i like what you're hearing i'm picking up what you're laying down yeah well, gentlemen, I appreciate you taking the time to have a little discussion about taxes. I mean, certainly that's on the minds of just about every Wyoming citizen. Uh, more to the point, it's All probably how are we ones. going to pay the taxes. <laughs> um, but uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? Yeah, I think I think that's mostly on the thoughts of the working people that have to pay um, such hard-earned money. And... You know, there's another thing that we didn't really touch on there that is a legitimate thing in government, and even though we're the ones that created it, or the feds, is inflation. And inflation certainly does affect, but you need to be able to lay that out as to exactly how much of that is inflation, how much, how, what did that affect? And um, can we contain it with cost-cutting measures and, um, you know, more more cautious in how we spend our money um, but that's another thing that does affect some of these issues okay if you're listening to this and you're frustrated about property taxes still and you really want to know who do i blame go to wyoleg w-y-o-l-e-g dot gov and when you get the list of bills up there you can se separate those. Just type in the word tax. And then when you click on any bill that looks interesting to you, find the little digest there. 
And when you click on the Digest tab, it will tell you what the votes were. And you can see who voted for what. If it takes you back to the Revenue Committee or another committee, go look at that committee and see who's there. Because it's very easy to, to figure out who the six or eight, maybe ten primary opponents are. Well, and to add on to that, and I, I meant to mention this earlier, um, but if you want to know how your legislator voted or how they performed during the session, there's three websites in Wyoming uh, that will show you that. Uh, the first of which is called Rhino, Wyo Rhino, and what they do is they uh, pick 10 bills and they tell you um, who voted conservative and who voted redcoat. They're, they're not just 10 bills, though. They pick 10 bills that look at different aspects of the Republican platform. Yeah. So it gives yeah. you a cross-section of how well do these legislators adhere to the Republican platform. No, thank, thank you for that, yeah. Ken. Um, the second one is called Evidence-Based Wyoming. Um, that one's pretty simple. It just tracks how often your legislator votes with the Republicans versus the Democrats. And if you want to see the real difference in the Wyoming legislature, that's that's a good one to look at. And then the third one, and in my opinion, this one is the, by far the most accurate. It's called Wyo Vote. And that rates every single roll call vote according to the Republican Party platform, pretty much. And you'll see the very same thing on that, that ratings website as you will on evidence-based Wyoming, that there's a huge split between the conservatives and then the uh, the other side, the 31 other votes that are yeah. on the other side. And the, that difference is that those 31 other representatives, they voted with the Democrats an average of 86% of the time. Holy cow. Yeah. But, you know, like I say, if you're listening to this, go check those out. It'll show you how your representative voted. Yeah, we've got 26 conservatives. We've got 31 not conservatives. Rhinos, I think. Is what yeah, I know that's the term. I try not to use that term because I don't want to be reduced to name calling. But we'll call them redcoats. If the if the if the shoe fits. Well, guys, and, then, and we got five Democrats, and the and the Democrats and the thirty-one rhinos <coughs> vote together like a block, and yeah. then turn around and point fingers at us and say, yeah. "You guys are just voting all together." Exactly. Well, guys, again, thank you for joining me, and. Uh, um, we'll be talking soon. Thanks for having us.